Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Eagles Unfiltered. B-A-T-L-E-S, Eagles! This podcast is powered by Eagle Maven of Sports Illustrated. Third down and one. I did it with First down and a touchdown. Here are your hosts, Ed Kraz and Connor Miles. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Eagles Unfiltered. I'm Ed Kratz, your co host, and it's my pleasure today on Tuesday, two days before the NFL draft, to be joined by Christopher Walsh, who operates Bama Central and has been covering the Alabama football program and pretty much, I guess, all things Alabama since 2004. Christopher, welcome. I really appreciate you jumping on here 48 hours before this NFL draft kicks off. I imagine you're pretty busy. Um, What's it like covering, really, a Crimson Tide program that's kind of like a professional football team in its own right? Yeah, it's different. It's, um, It's funny because when I moved here, people were asking me like what what NFL teams are most like a college atmosphere and you know I would say probably something like Buffalo or Green Bay which is where I actually um, covered the Packers before I, I came to Alabama but now it's 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 kind of the opposite I get so many people are asking me that like which you know Alabama's most like an NFL team isn't it and it really is uh, you know Nick Saban he's the CEO slash coach and he he operates it very much like an NFL team and you can see it in the players that this program turns out on a regular basis. And, you know, it's, it's from a reporter standpoint and workload standpoint, some of it it's, you know, every single year like this for the draft, it's, Oh, Alabama's going to get 10 guys drafted again. Well, that happens every single year, you know? And so some guys get a little bit easier this time of year, not us, but that's why we like it. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, of course, a boatload of prospects in this 2021 draft. But first of all, you, we talked a little bit before we got started here, and you mentioned you get you have some Philly roots too, right? Yeah, I do. Actually, I was born uh, in Camden, and my parents lived in New Jersey until I was four, uh, the Haddon Heights area. And so I've always kind of kept an eye on, on the area, and then uh, they moved to Minnesota, and then I went to school at University of New Hampshire. My sister also moved into like the New York area. She now lives in New Jersey. But um, I've been back numerous times. Um, I used to date somebody in the Philadelphia area. And uh, it's just kind of one of those communities that's always going to be kind of uh, near and dear to my heart. And, um, and the restaurants are amazing. <laughs> just <laughs> I, I love the food there. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, have you ever done the Eagles chant, the big E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles chant? Have you ever, will you ever admit to doing that? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, since I grew up in Minnesota, it's, I, I like to joke, my dad said it's a Vikings fan before he said it's a boy. Yeah. Uh, that kind of tells you the way it was in my family, um, which, you know, 
Vikings fans, Eagles fans, very different. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, completely different part of the country, too, there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, Alabama, I'm sure you've kind of grown accustomed to things down there, being there since 2004. And, um, again, another different part of the country, different than Minnesota, different than Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But the one constant is the University of Alabama keeps churning out these players. I always joke that they must have some sort of a factory down there that nobody knows about where they just make football players in these test tubes and then <laughs> send them on the, you know, into the tide program. Um, Cause they just year after year yeah. produce this top level talent. Um, but the Eagles have not taken a player from the university of Alabama since 2002, which was before your time there. I don't know if you would remember this name, Freddie Millens yep. wide receiver came in the 2002 draft in the fifth round and, of course, did nothing. And the Eagles haven't gone back to Bama since. What do you remember well, about Millens? I tell you, we're going to claim Jalen, Jalen Hurts, though, because he did yeah. graduate from Alabama, even though technically it was, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're drafting him out of Oklahoma. Freddie, by the way, lives in Mississippi. We've interviewed him a couple of times uh, in the last couple of years, and he's doing well. So okay. uh, I, I'm sure some of your listeners are, are uh, viewers, readers, every everything uh, – um, you know, we'll be happy to hear that. I, I like Freddie, you know, and it's kind of funny because, you know, we, we keep hearing like these uh, comparisons or this talk about Devonte Smith being so thin, you know, Freddie wasn't very big. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's so, right. It's, um, uh, it's, it's kind of one of those things that uh, I, I, I kind of, I kind of scratch my head of why it's being such an issue right now. It's not like everybody didn't know Devonte Smith was, 170 pounds soaking wet when he won the Heisman and did everything else. So um, it's the, the fun of the couple days before the draft and all the misinformation and uh, the mudslinging that's going on. It's, it's, it's not my favorite time of the year. It's, it's I, at this point of the year, I'm just like, just start the draft. Just, just <laughs> put the first team on the clock. Let's go. Yeah. Right. And let's just roll through the three days and be done and, you know, come up for air and take a look and see what we got. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, we can start with Devonta Smith. I mean, because I have, I have been one of his maybe biggest critics or, or skeptics, I guess I should say. Um, I know he won the Heisman, fantastic year. But that weight thing is very tough for me to get past. I, I know that, you know, Nick Saban addressed it and said when we recruited him, he was 158 pounds and we wished he was bigger. And now he's 170 pounds and NFL people wish he was bigger. But he's done everything that he asked of him during yeah. his time at Bama. Um, but, you know, when you get to this next level, you know, you're playing against men, right? You're not playing against teenagers anymore. You're playing against mid twenties, you know, 30 year old men. And it's a, it's a different ball game. And I just, my concern is his longevity health wise, but I guess you could say sure. that about any player, but go ahead and sell me on Devonta Smith. Yeah. You know, it was kind of interesting because when Alabama had the four receivers for a couple of years there, you know, uh, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, Devontae Smith and, and Jalen Model. everyone was trying to pick of what was the thing that they were known for. You know, Jerry Judy was the guy who ran the best routes. Ruggs was known for his speed. And nobody could really pin down anything on Devontae Smith because he just did everything well. And then, you know, the national championship game against Georgia, he catches the, the game-winning touchdown, you know, uh, from Tua uh, Tunga Viola. They were true freshmen. Alabama had six true freshmen on offense. On that on that drive, which is just ridiculous, but wow. um, it, it the stigma kind of just kept going on and on, and and 
Devonta's been hearing that he's too small for years, and it's it's definitely a sore point with him because there's really nothing he can do about it, you know. But he does everything well. He's got great hands. He runs great routes. You know, it's even last year people were kind of like, "Well, Waddle's the most exciting guy. He's going to be the one." No, it was Smith, you know, and and he just kept plugging along and answering his critics. Um, and on top of that, I'll tell you flat out, he's a really nice kid. It's just totally nice kid. And so, um, you know, in selling you, you know, the guy that I keep going back to just in terms of physical stature is Isaac Bruce, who was an amazing receiver. I mean, it, I was covering the NFL when he was playing and, and my goodness, he would just burn you every single week. And that's the kind of receiver that he is, you know, and I hear like Marvin Harrison, you know, I want to grasp that one, but I mean, that's, I'm not going to compare a guy to the hall of famer because you don't want to say that's a hall of fame player. He's still got to go out and he's got to, he's got to earn it. But, you know, we've been, we've had uh, Jim Mora jr. Helping us all out um, with our coverage. And he had a really great line about Devontae Smith. He's like, can't hurt him if you can't catch him. <laughs> you know? So yeah, uh, I, he's going to be a top pick. I'm really curious to see where he's going to go. Yeah. Um, I'm curious to see if, if some, you know, if a team's going to kind of do like what happened last year where the Raiders were like, you know, the Raiders, they love speed, you know, yeah. it's, we got to have the receiver. We got to have the cornerback. And they, they went out, they, they, they grabbed rugs. Um, that, that seven to 10 to 12 is just going to be so interesting to me. And there's three Alabama guys, at least that are going to be in that mix. And the Eagles are obviously there and, and they need a wide receiver. Uh, I, I think he's going to do well wherever he goes. Yeah, so. that's that's a good sales pitch. I mean, a lot of people say to me, "Well, oh, you're going to add weight to him. You know, you're going to he's going to be able to pack one ten pounds in the NFL." But you know, why wasn't able to do? Why couldn't he do that at Alabama? I mean, that's you know, with the nutrition and weight program, I'm sure they have there. He couldn't do it. I, I think he'll probably gain about five. Okay, he'll gain ten and then he'll lose five. Is yeah. is what I'm guessing. Okay, but it's uh, I mean, he can get a little bit more. He just that's his body. Just that's the way his body is, kind of thing. So, uh, but like I said, he does everything really, really well. Yeah. So I very much think he's in play for Philadelphia at the twelfth pick, and so is uh, Jalen Waddle. And uh, you know, Waddle. We were talking about Smith holding up. Waddle had the injury last year, and. But people love Jalen Waddle. I don't know how you would evaluate them or how you would separate them in your evaluations, which one you think's better. I mean, you've watched these guys for the last few years. I mean, who who do you think has the better pro career? Who had the better college career? Well, Waddle, Waddle by far is, in my mind, the best, or he's the most exciting player in the draft. You get him the ball, he can break it for a touchdown. I don't care where he is. I don't care what the situation is. Um, he just, he just has that ability. And here's the interesting thing. Nobody is mentioning that Waddle is, is, is undersized as well. Yeah. Hmm. Kind of interesting there. So, uh, Smith is the better overall receiver. He does a lot of the little things, um, better. He, uh, more attention to detail. He's had more experience. You know, when they had Judy, they had rugs and they had Smith. Waddle was a guy who wasn't starting. And <laughs> I mean, just the fact that he was coming off the bench, it's just, still ridiculous. I mean, that's the, the kind of program that they have here, but yeah. um, they can both go in the top 10 there. Yeah. And, and it's, I've had so many people they are like, if, you know, they're trying to pin me down. It's like, if, if you're going to take a wide receiver and it, you've got all three of them there that are available, who you're going to take. Well, 
you got to tell me the team. You got to tell me who the other players are. You got to tell me who the quarterback is. Because I honestly think, and, I'll, and with all three of these guys, uh, you know, if, if you need a bigger guy, you're going for the guy from LSU. If you need the best all-around player, you're taking Smith. If you need the, the, the speed electrifying guy, you're going for Waddle. Um, but all three of them are great wide receivers. I think all three of them are going to have great careers. Well, that's, that's great insight. Um, of course, the quarterback in Philadelphia is Jalen Hurts, who is familiar with uh, these guys, which would be kind of an interesting uh, pick for Philadelphia. Even though they took a wide receiver in the first round last year, Jalen Rager yeah. uh, hadn't lived up to that potential yet, but I think there are still high hopes for him. Obviously, you can't write a guy off after one year. You have a new coaching staff coming in. Uh, so right. it'll be interesting to see. I Personally, I think the Eagles need cornerbacks, and you got a great one sitting there in Tuscaloosa. Uh, I actually call it the Tuscaloosa Triangle with uh, Waddle, Smith, and uh, Sertan, Sertan uh, for the Eagles. Uh, but uh, what about Patrick Sertan? I think the Eagles could use a corner. Whether they go that direction, I don't know. I mean, they have Darius Slay on one side, 30 years old, paying him a ton of money. Big cap hit next year. Um, they need to start developing young guys. Um, you know, Sertan and J.C. Horn in South Carolina. But what about Sertan? Four-year starter in the SEC. That's, that's tough to do. Yeah. And, you know, his father was a great player as well. So, I mean, you've got the, that as a factor, really good height, long arms, has a great knowledge of the game. He reminds me a lot of uh, just Marlon Humphrey and who is now one of the best corners in the league for the Ravens also came from Alabama. They're very similar in my, in my mind. And, you know, it's just Sir Patrick stays one of those guys when, when he's in the game, you almost forget about him because teams aren't going to challenge him that much. And it's just guys don't get open against him. And, and he just, you know, he doesn't get the same kind of numbers as, as other players do. And you just kind of like, you find yourself almost like, Oh yeah, there he is kind of thing. Uh, that's how good he is. That to me, that's like one of the ultimate compliments you can give a cornerback. So he's been one of the best that they've had that's come out of the system. And when Nick Saban had, had the chance to add uh, the 10th, um, assistant coach a couple of years ago, it was really, really interesting to me. He added another defensive back coach instead mm-hmm. of, you know, anything else that he could have done. You know, a lot of teams, they went quarterback coach and, and so forth. Um, and it just shows you how important defensive backs are in this day and age. I mean, you've got to have five or six, you can't, you can never have enough. So somebody's going to get him real high. I, I think he's going to be the first defensive player taken in the draft, but you know, your guess is as good as mine for, for where he ends up. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen even maybe the Falcons. I saw one mock draft. I think it was Chris Sims's mock draft to have the Falcons taking him at four. I don't know if that's going to uh, be the case, but certainly the Cowboys are in play there at 10 uh, for certain. Yeah. Uh, and if now Mac Jones, I mean, the Eagles aren't taking Mac Jones, but, is Mac Jones going three to the 49ers in your opinion? I think there's a real good chance. I, I felt better about it before the last couple of days. And, you know, everything that's coming out of there is just so muddled. Um, it's, it's really hard to know, but I I'm of the mind that, it, you know, you don't trade up to number three unless you know who your guy is kind of thing. Right. And so I definitely do buy into some of the talk that it's, it's, they were looking at Mac. It definitely helped Mac's overall draft stock um, just the fact that he was mentioned with the 49ers. Yeah. He's, he's not going to be lasting long. And you know how, how these teams are, they fall in love with quarterbacks and they got to have them. They trade up for them. 
I, I definitely think we could see top four picks be uh, quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, the Falcons are interesting. I'm really curious to see what happens with them because they have just so many options and it's going to number three and four is just going to change the whole look of the whole draft. And here's the thing that I love. And, and there was a story on S sports illustrated about it today. What if it isn't Jones, you know, what if it's somebody else and the whole draft is suddenly just goes like that right off the bat as a fan, I'm rooting for that. I like chaos during these things. <laughs> Always root for the story. That's what yeah. I say. Always root for the story. That'd be a great story. Um, and now uh, before, you know, I want to wrap this up here, but I want to ask you, and this about Christian Barmore. Yeah. He was a guy that I had the Eagles mock my very first mock draft for the Eagles. I had the Eagles trading back to the, uh, the 12th pick. That was when the 49ers owned it. And this was before the deal was even done. This is back in, you know, right before free agency, early March. And I had the Eagles going back to 12 and picking Barmore. And I got, I got raked over the coals by, you know, the Twitterverse for, you know, for suggesting it. But I love Christian Barmer. I know that, you know, he hasn't always showed up, I guess, you know, for some games. But, man, that six five three ten can run. Uh, I love this kid. I, what have you seen out of him, you know, in covering him these last few years? Yeah, before this season, I mean, when he flashed, he didn't just flash a little. I mean, it was a giant flash. It was just like, oh, my goodness, who is this kid, you know? Um and it was just, this is going to be the next big one. The funny thing was, uh, the, the first couple of years he was in the program when he would play, he kept getting penalties for hitting uh, quarterbacks in the head. Like, you know, he's got his arm up to try to block the pass, and he would bring it down, and he would hit the quarterback every day, throw the ball, and he'd get a penalty. And, you know, saving penalties just don't go go the best. So, um, monster ability. And... Alabama's had a lot of really great defensive tackles, obviously. And, and like I said, he, he was kind of the next one. Uh, there was some talk and there were some concerns. Um, even last year and, and in training camp, you would hear, you know, just he's got a – I don't know if I want to – you know, the term that they're using right now is not the most coachable guy. Um, I think he thought he was a little bit more important than he really was. Now, this is the key to me, though, because um, – and, and we were reporting some of this, like even in, in camp, and then he got the knee injury on top of it. So he started the season with, you know, this knee problem and he wasn't playing that much. And then you just started seeing him get momentum. And at the end of the year, when push came to shove and Alabama was, you know, trying to win championships, he played lights out. And it's, you know, the, the biggest concern that you're hearing from people when they say he wasn't coachable is that they're saying that he was selfish. Well, Go back and look at those tapes. Do you see a selfish player who wasn't filling his roles against Ohio State, against Notre Dame, and against Florida? And the answer is no. And it was really interesting to me that when the national championship celebration was going on, you know, they, they bring out the stage. You know, this is at, at the location of the Orange Bowl. And, and Nick Saban's up there, and he's got the team captains up there, and he's handing the trophy around. Christian Barmore was up there as well. And that, to me, spoke volumes. That told me he has come full circle. And right then and there, I knew he was going, it, it was going pro with, with Alabama's blessing and there wasn't going to be a problem. Uh, in my mind, he's the best defensive tackle in, in the draft. That's going to get him in the first round, probably, um, you know, obviously can't guarantee it. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's just when he is on, that's what those teams are going to fall in love with. It's yeah. just, you can't stop them. Yeah. I, you know, listen, and, and, um, I think he's the best defensive tackle in the draft 
like you do. I, I think he's first round talent for sure. Yeah. 12, probably a little too rich to take him unless you really feel strongly in his development. But, you know, you mentioned that selfish factor or whatever they want to call it, the uncoachable factor. Um, you get him in a program with veteran defensive linemen like the Eagles have in Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham and, um, you know, Javon Hargrave even. I mean, you get him around guys like that, and, and other teams have the same kind of veterans, but you get him into a system like that where you show him how to do it, make him understand his role, and now that he's a professional player, I think it would do wonders yeah. for the kid. And, and um, you know, I'm really – he's one of my favorite players, to be honest with you, in this entire draft. I don't know why. I just think he's – I just love the way he plays. Um, yeah. So we'll see, I guess, where he ends up. But, yeah, the, the thing about it, and, and this is the bottom line for me, if, if he wasn't doing what he, what he was supposed to be doing on the field, yeah, I think Nick Saban would have played him that much. Right. Hell no. He would have yanked him over the sideline. He would have chewed him up and, and, and down and, and, and so forth. And Saban really is a player's coach, and people don't quite realize that. They just kind of see the persona and everything. Most of his players love playing for him, and he's very different with them than he is with, say, the BD and, and, and so forth. And, you know, it doesn't help when everyone's getting, you know, becoming a first-round draft pick, too. So Right. So, yeah, and he's a Philly guy, right? He can't, he's from <laughs> Philadelphia. I mean, and we've come full circle, Christopher. You're Philly. I'm, I'm from Philadelphia. Uh, but, listen, I, I, you know, we'll wrap it up there. I just want to uh, thank you again uh, for spending some va- very valuable time here. I know you're busy uh, with everything that's going on. Um, so I thank you. Much appreciate your time, Christopher Walsh. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me, and and, uh, let's do it when we get into football season. You got it. All right. Bye-bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.